We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Lakers Nation podcast. My name is Jeff Spiegel filling in for Trevor Lane during this all-star break show as we look ahead to the second half. So we appreciate you joining us, whether it's via YouTube, whether it's via the podcast itself. Thanks for joining us. Uh, The plan for today is really, really simple. As we sort of sit in this few-day break between the first half of the season, second half of the season, I want to talk about where the Lakers are at to start. I want to talk about kind of what are the big storylines that we've got coming in the next couple of months. And then finally, we're going to end today's show with some predictions from me. This was supposed to be a two-person show, but it's just me. So apologies if some of these segments feel like they were supposed to be a back and forth. We're going to do our best, and I appreciate the grace as you listen. But let's start with the question that I find to be a very interesting one. As I'm evaluating the Lakers season, I try and ask myself at various points throughout the season, how am I feeling about things? So if I had to pick one word to describe the Lakers season thus far, what would it be? Now, if you're listening to this, pause for a second and think to yourself, what would your word be? Are you encouraged? Are you optimistic? Are you disappointed? Are you pessimistic? Where are you at? I'll give you my word. My word is actually not a positive one. It's annoying. I've kind of been annoyed by what I've seen from the Lakers thus far. That doesn't mean I don't have hope. We're going to get to some predictions and some optimism here in a moment, but this is a team that that Trevor and I are doing the live post-game show, the watch-along on playback as they beat the Milwaukee Bucks one night, and then they lose to Cleveland and Toronto just a few days later. They hang with Boston one night. They get smoked by the Kevin Durantless Nets the very next one. So that's frustrating to me. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Um, uh, the passiveness that I've seen from this team, there are nights where it feels like there is no urgency for a team that's below 500 and is outside of the playoffs looking in. So that has been annoying to me um the injuries and this is not annoyed at any individual person but just the the, it's annoying when anthony davis misses as many games as he does lebron misses some games guys that that have needed to fit in haven't but here's the good news lakers fans is we are about two-thirds of the way through the season the first two-thirds can be annoying but if the lakers can get this thing pointed in the right direction if the trade that is just a few games old bringing all of those guys, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, those guys in, if those types of moves can get this thing headed in the right direction, if you're a Lakers fan, you've got to be hopeful. You've got to be optimistic that the first two-thirds of the season aren't going to be what defines this group and what defines this team. So let's talk a little bit about where this Lakers group is actually at as we sit here during the All-Star break. 
as they enter it, they are 27 and 32, five games under 500. They are 13th place in the Western Conference. Okay, that's the bad news, but here's some of the good news. They are just two games back of the final play-in spot. That's currently Oklahoma City with Utah and Portland in front of um, in front of the Lakers, in between the Lakers and the Thunder. The Lakers are a game and a half behind Utah and Portland, two games back of Oklahoma City. They are just three and a half games back of the number six seed. So they're only three and a half games back of avoiding the play-in tournament altogether. Heck, if you want to get even more optimistic, they're just six games back of the number three seed. That's the Sacramento Kings to give you a sense of just how bunched up things are for this Lakers group. Now, it is the all-star break, but let's not forget, this is not the halfway point. There are only 23 games remaining for the Lakers this season. So we're about two-thirds of the season through. So while the Lakers do have you know, some ground to make up, not a ton of ground to make up in some cases. There isn't a ton of time left either. So 23 games remaining. Let's talk about the schedule real quick. Um, the good news, the Lakers have the sixth easiest remaining schedule in all of the NBA. That's a 483 combined win percentage of their opponents. They have two games against Memphis, two games against Phoenix. Those are probably going to be the toughest games. I know Phoenix from a win percentage perspective doesn't necessarily move the needle a whole lot, but once Durant comes back, those games against Phoenix are not early on in this sort of quote-unquote second half. So those are going to be some tough games. On the flip side, they do have some easy ones remaining. They have two against Houston, two against Chicago, two against Utah, one against Orlando, one against Toronto. That's on the easier end of the spectrum. And so if you're a Lakers fan, you're starting to look at some of those games and you're starting to feel like, hey, you know what? We might actually be able to get some of those. Some more good news. None of the teams that the Lakers are chasing have an easier schedule than they do. Um, all of the teams that are ahead of the Lakers have more difficult schedules. That's good news. But here's the last thing I want to note about the schedule. The first, let's say, seven games of this quote-unquote second half are going to be the games that define this Lakers group because they're tough. As, as easy as the second half schedule might be, it's the last 16 games that are a little easier. The first seven, listen to this. They start with Golden State at Dallas, at Memphis, at OKC, home for Minnesota, home for Golden State, and home for Memphis. That seven-game stretch is going to be critical because obviously if you can sort of tread water, go 500, maybe a tick above during that stretch, then you feel good about coming in home on the 16 games after that. But as far as how things go in the first seven. That's going to be a huge, huge moment for the Lakers. So with that said, let me bring in a guest. Sean Davis is going to hop in and join us here as we talk some second half storyline. Sean, appreciate you joining us. I, I was going to ask you right off the top, but as we get, as you get this three or four day breather right in the middle of the season, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling all right. I, I, I felt a little confident with the Lakers chances heading into the all-star break but I, I guess it starts where you kind of left off Jeff and yeah the Lakers have one of the quote-unquote easier stretches to end the year but they have a very big stretch to start off the all-star break with uh two in some point during the seven or eight game stretch two against Golden State uh two against don't tell me don't tell me is it Memphis two against Memphis I think yeah uh, you got Minnesota in there sprinkled in there somewhere you got Dallas sprinkled in there, Oklahoma City. So uh, it's a very big-time stretch. I think that's where it starts for the Lakers. Yeah, and, and we were talking – you know, I was mentioning they've got one of the easier schedules in the second half, but I'll be fascinated to see where they're at after those seven games because right. if you're still two games back 
and you've got 16 games in which you probably, maybe the, the easiest schedule, the last 16 games of the season, then you probably feel pretty good. But if you start to drift during that stretch, if that's a three and four stretch or even a two and five stretch, then all of a sudden things get a little bit dicey. But let's talk second half storylines. We're going to do a little bit of an exercise here between Sean and myself. I prepped Sean. I said, hey, let's do top storylines, but let's do it as if it were a draft. So I've got six or seven storylines written down. Sean has got six or seven storylines down. We'll get through about six, maybe throw some bonus ones in at the end. And we'll just alternate picks. No need for a snake draft with just two of us. Sean, I'll let you go first. Of all of the storylines potentially in front of us down the stretch, these final 23 games, for you as a Lakers fan, as somebody that covers this team, what is the number one thing, the number one storyline you are watching down the stretch? I think there, there's a couple of competing ones. But I think the biggest storyline, the biggest of all storylines is his how does D'Angelo Russell fit over a sustained uh, stretch of games next to LeBron and Anthony Davis? Um, especially because I feel like the Lakers really are interested in bringing him back this offseason. I don't want to spend too, too much time talking about next year's team, but I think you could be looking at next year's roster. You could be. I think a large part of the possibility is how does D'Angelo Russell fit next to LeBron James, Anthony Davis? Because not only if, He's a good fit. Will that lead to him getting a contract extension that will probably at the very least match up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis's contract? Yeah. That's also a good sign that the Lakers make a run to the playoffs this year. So that's probably the number one thing on top of my list. Yeah, it was on my list. I kind of phrased it as, is he going to play himself into a new contract? Um, he's 18 of 40 from the field since coming over six of 16 from deep 17 assists, just five turnovers. It's a small sample size, Sean. Offensively, I felt like he's been good. Defensively, you know, if we're comparing him to Russell Westbrook, it's like it's probably a slight upgrade over Russell Westbrook. Defensively, I don't want to overreact to three games. How have you, I mean, do you feel good about the D'Angelo Russell fit just three games in? Or do you want to say, hey, I need to press the pause button and give me a little bit more of a sample size before I rush to conclusions here? Whoops, forgot me to myself for a sec. But um, what I was going to say was, I think I could say that three games in, I feel all right about the D'Angelo Russell fit. Um, if anything, I would say that you see more of it with LeBron, but LeBron's history with guards that are similar in any capacity, D'Angelo Russell, makes me feel confident still. So I think I could say three games is enough based off the guys we're talking about like LeBron AD and schematically as well. Okay. All right. Well, my first pick in this draft and, and number one on my list is just health for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, it seems crazy. There's only 23 games left, but LeBron battling ankle stuff heading in. Now we're recording this before the all-star game. So we're desperately hoping that LeBron something stupid doesn't happen to him while we're uh, in between when we record this and when we post this, but He's missed 14 games this season. The Lakers are just five and nine in those games. Anthony Davis has missed 24 games this season. Um, he has played 10 games since coming back. The Lakers are actually 11 and 13 without Anthony Davis. So that's basically their season record um, there. So for me, it's just how much confidence do I have in those two guys being healthy? Obviously, every Lakers fan is banking their hopes on, oh, just get us into a playoff series. Those two guys are healthy. Sean, 
how confident do you feel that we're going to get to the end of the season and both of those guys are going to be available and, you know, to some degree, I'm, they're not going to be 100%, but, like, can we get both guys at 90%? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my second pick. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not confident. I, I mean, I'd love to knock on wood and say, you know, I'm 85% confident that we'd be able to get those guys 80% healthy uh, going into the playoffs, something close to that going into the playoffs. But I don't, like, let's say LeBron plays every game for the rest of the year. I don't even think LeBron plays every game the rest of the year, which is something kind of said in his uh, press or something like it's the biggest 23 games of his career or whatever, talking about that for the All-Star game. Let's say LeBron plays all 23 games. LeBron's not going into the All-Star game. I guarantee it, not the All-Star game. He's not going into the playoffs and 90% health. He's not. I think the only way LeBron can even get close to that at this point of his career is if he, like, sits out completely. It's with an extended offseason. So, no. Even even if you can, like, say, oh, AD will get there, LeBron's not. I, I'd be shocked, and that sucks. Yeah, and, and as you say all that, I'm way more worried about Anthony Davis than I am with LeBron because yeah. LeBron, I feel like it, it's less of a fluke. It seems like when he gets – or I should oh, say it's more of a fluke when he gets hurt. You know, it's sort of like oh, LeBron yeah. almost – like LeBron almost knows how to manage himself and his right. body, and it's almost like if he gets hurt, it's because he put himself in a potentially compromising situation. Anthony Davis, it could be anything. It's every time he goes up for a block. It's every time there's a collision and he falls onto the ground. We're all nervous. I don't feel that. I mean, LeBron has done things to his ankle that I'm like, he's out for two weeks and he just hops right back up, makes both free throws and and doesn't miss any time. So Anthony Davis is the one that scares me a lot more. I'm laughing at how ironic and how true what Jeff just said is like, it's on the nose. And also say this, I think LeBron at 80% is five times better than Anthony Davis at 80%. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Third pick in the draft, Sean. So we've got D'Angelo Russell one, the health of this Lakers team, specifically Davis and LeBron two. Give me your, uh, give me your second pick, the third pick overall here in second half storylines. Darvin Ham. Uh, This, I, I I was, I was the Darvin Ham guy coming in. I master lot. Uh Are you, are you, are you separating yourself from that take, Sean? No, no, not not necessarily. Um, I, I master locked my myself uh, a month back or something, not a month back, but like in the last post game show, so people can stop thinking I'm the Darvin Ham fanboy. But Darvin Ham, I thought did a, a much better job. I don't even remember our last game against Pelicans did a heck of a job against the Warriors. Now with this roster, there is no other excuse for Darvin Ham and his coaching yeah. staff. Um, offensively or defensively. I think you have the roster that fits his offensive scheme, which I've talked about a lot on, on Twitter and stuff like that and posted different clips, things like that. Um, um, so I, I think this roster is going to force Darvin Ham to show whether or not he's a quality head coach or not. I think he still can be, but time is ticking on the Darvin Ham experiment. Yeah, Ham was second on my list, and and specifically, I'm fascinated and curious to see about the rotations that he has. I mean, like, I just laughed. The first two games after the trade, he's defending Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell as his starting backcourt, and then all of a sudden by game three, it's not his starting backcourt. Like, like moments after defending it, he has changed his mind, and, you know, I think it was um, you, me, and Trevor that were on a playback at one point, and we were discussing this, 
and, and maybe it was just Trevor, but I asked him like, Hey, what, what's kind of your take on Darvin ham. And it's kind of like, it's been a roller coaster. There's been some good, there's been some bad, but one of the biggest questions with him is the rotation. And as we were going back and forth post trade, it was kind of like in many ways, you could make an argument. Let me put it this way. You can make an argument. Darvin Ham's job has gotten easier because he has much better talent. I think you can make a case. His job has actually gotten harder because now he's got eight, nine, 10, 11 different guys who think they should be playing considerable minutes and who are probably for the first time all year, good enough to be playing considerable minutes. And so Darvin Ham's got to do a lot of shuffling around to finding the right rotations. I don't think it's going to be the same eight guys with the same number of minutes every single night. I think there's going to be nights when you need Vanderbilt more. I, mean, I think there's going to be nights when maybe Wenyan Gabriel or Mo Bamba is playing more minutes. I think there's going to be nights when Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura's minutes are going to be up or way down. Lonnie Walker basically didn't play in that third game. And so I think for me, watching Darvin Ham navigate all of that is going to be the most interesting and the most critical to me is how he navigates that. Now, we've talked about this before, Sean, but before we move on, I'm curious, like, he made he he made his first two lineups. There was a lot of questions about Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell together in the backcourt. The first game, Schroeder was great. So it's kind of like anybody who had questions, it was like, I don't know, he had 26 points. I think we're okay. It wasn't as great in the second one. They get smoked by a bad Portland Trailblazers team. In and the flukiest game of all time. Totally, totally. And then they come back, and he changes the rotation, and they win a big game against the Pelicans. So I think there's positive because you're looking and say, okay, we saw progress. Like he, he was willing to admit a mistake about the backcourt and to change things. So briefly before I move on, how, how confident are you that Darvin Ham can figure out the rotation? Because again, 23 games, 23 games is all we have. Uh, how confident am I that he can figure out the rotation? And because I would say figuring out the rotation is a game to game thing. Again, it's not like these are our eight best guys. This is what it looks like. It's more of a like game to game. I think he's going to have to tweak oh, we need more minutes from this person or less minutes from this person. And that's what kind of scares me. So, like, if you, if you were just talking, like going back to the health thing, if you told me LeBron and AD would play the every every game for the rest of the year, you told me, knock on whether it's no other, this team, as is, the team that faced the Pelicans, was comp- completely healthy, hi, dog, for the rest of the 23 games of the season. I, I would say I'm okay. Oh, I'm decently confident. Yeah. But I my biggest concern is in like it, it could be a role. Like, I don't know. Troy Brown Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, please no, but knock on wood. Like Jared Vanderbilt, J- Troy Brown Jr., they like tweak an ankle and they're out yeah. for two games. And Lonnie Walker has to play. Yeah. Right. When those guys get back, I'm not, I'm worry or more so curious to see how Darvin if Darvin is like very quickly okay cool Lonnie love you back to what it should be or whatever or you know how that'll play out so I'm not sure how much that really answers the question but I guess my biggest concern or I guess point of curiosity is if something happens to where you have to go off script yeah can you go off script for that game or two and then remember Hey, look, this is the script. Yeah. Follow that so Adam Silver doesn't sue you. That's a script joke for the podcast listeners. There you go. There you go. And and for those that have no clue what Sean was talking about when he said, hi, dog, my dog wandered into the background of my shot. So if you're listening to the audio, you're probably very confused by that comment. So we'll try and help you out there a like, little bit. 
You probably got like this Sean dude. This Sean dude is a little weird. He's like going off track and everything. Like what in the world? muting himself, saying hi muting to dogs. Like what's going he on here? Gets when the unmute. Like what in the world, Sean? Okay, my next pick. So fourth pick overall storyline for me is we're still at four. We're still at four. We're still at four. Is I, I want to see how much urgency this team plays with. Um, before, right before you hopped on, Sean, I, I, I used, you know, one word to describe the Lakers season thus far. My word was not a positive one. So hopefully people didn't stop listening right off the bat, but I said, I've been annoyed. I've been annoyed by lots of different things, by the inconsistency of the team, by the number of injuries that they've had to deal with. But one of the things I've been frustrated by is the number of times that I tune into a game and feel like there isn't necessarily a collective urgency that, that senses the moment, like first 10, 15 games of the season. So be it. But as we get closer and you're the 13th seed in the Western Conference, you can't have games like they did against the Portland Trailblazers. And you could say, oh, well, Damian Lillard was on fire, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so be it. You played Golden State the night before and absolutely shut down Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole and then come back the next night and Damian Lillard is lighting you up. Those are the types of moments that it just feels like at times they have shrugged them off as if to say, we'll be fine. And at some point for me, there's only 23 games left in the season and you're in 13th place. and so. The number, the next storyline for me, fourth pick in this draft is how does this team respond to pressure? Because now every game is going to be basically a must win and the most important game of their season. And so I'm just curious to see what type of, I'm, I'm not worried about LeBron. LeBron's going to bring it. But I think outside of LeBron James, I think there's questions historically about Anthony Davis and the aggressiveness and the intentionality that he plays with on a night to night basis. As a team, maybe it's on Darvin Ham's shoulders. Maybe it's on leadership guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I want to see urgency from the team and whether or not they step up to that moment. Do you agree with my assessment? I sense that maybe you you disagree with the 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 idea that this team hasn't maybe played with the requisite urgency on a night to night basis. No, I don't think that's what I disagree with. I think if there was anything I disagreed with. It would be, it was actually more so towards the end. Like, I feel like there, there's been times, especially over the last year or so, where I don't think LeBron even has brought it every single night. So, okay. like, when you said, we know LeBron's going to be like, eh, LeBron's 38. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, no, actually, I thought, I thought you were pretty spot on. Uh, going back, I know it's here at the start, but if I had to use a word, and it's a, it's, it's a joint word, roller coaster. Because okay. that's what the season is. It was like an amusement park or something. Trevor's at an amusement park right now, so that's what I thought of. Like, you've got some freaking highs of the highs. you got beating Milwaukee, the buzzer beater to beat New Orleans, beating New Orleans the second time, beating Golden State. But you got, like, some of the lowest, like, some of the yeah. most, like, heartbreaking or, like, lowest of the lows losses, fumbling the bag against Indiana, Boston twice, even though, you, you, sure, yeah. let's play the the LeBron, you know, got fouled. He did, but you, know, you should have probably still won that game. Boston twice. Yeah. Philly, if I didn't mention that, twice. The second time, again, got <laughs> screwed over by the refs. Um, Portland the first time earlier in the year. Like, just, there's at least, no matter how you want to slice it, there's at least been eight games this year where yeah. you look back and you're like, should have won, should have won, should have won, should have won, should have won. And in the should have won games, the Lakers are like one in 10 this year yeah. in the should have won games. So, yeah. But um, yeah. I guess uh, fifth overall pick for me, third 
overall selection for me, I, I think I botched that. You're good. Us. Go for it. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm going to go with can the Lakers continue to play well against really good teams? Okay. Because that's been the most impressive but frustrating trait about this year's team so far, yeah. especially with the piss poor roster, was <laughs> how well they've been able to play with suspect talent against really, really good teams. Like I mentioned, you beat Milwaukee. You were in the second game of Milwaukee. My, yeah, you were in the second game of Milwaukee with no LeBron James. And this was the first game off the trade. Um, should have beat Boston twice. Uh, should have beat Philly twice. AD makes his free throws. You win. And if the refs see uh, Joel Embiid asking Russell Westbrook, may I have this dance? You should have beat Philly twice. Uh, should have beat Dallas at least once, you know? So, like, there's a bunch of really, really good teams. Like, actually, let me look at the standings right quick. I'm having a trouble time finding like one really, really good team. Maybe not Phoenix, but like one team, the Lakers can legitimately say, "Yeah, we should not have beat them. We were not in the game against such and such team." And I have a, I have a hard time finding that team. So the Lakers want to, you know, improve the record down the stretch and make it to the playoffs. They're gonna have to. Um, they're gonna have to win games they probably aren't supposed to, given their record. My bad, Cleveland too. They they weren't really in either Cleveland game, but like that's about it, honestly. Yeah, so, that's my. Do, does Sacramento qualify as a good team? Because I'm just looking at the schedule. They lose by 30 in the first game Even of the Sacramento, season, yeah. and then they lose by 50, 50 a couple weeks later. So I mean, I I know that's not necessarily the 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 tier of teams you're talking about, but I think it's a great point. So I think it is well, something interesting about this season. Go for it. I was just gonna say, but remember, even Sacramento, Kedrick Nunn gets a no call foul. He he called a foul. He gets he makes a free throw. He has to make the free throw, of course. Laker problem one on one, but he makes a free throw. Game potentially goes to overtime. So, like <laughs> that could be one. So yeah, outside of what the Cavs, I think we've seen like the Cavs and um, what what I say, Cavs and uh. Dang it, I just said it. Cavs and Phoenix, there we go. Like, there's not been a good team that the Lakers should not have beaten if they haven't beaten them already. So, my yeah. bad, Jeff. Go ahead. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, let, I'll throw one more at you, and then you can just list off if there's any that we missed. Um, but I think the sixth one, and, and I've kind of danced around it a couple times, one of the big storylines for the Lakers actually has nothing to do with the Lakers and everything to do with how all of the teams around them end up performing. The amount of schedule watching and scoreboard watching that the Lakers are going to have to do is going to be unique because I'll admit, Sean, there are moments when I get frustrated when I hear people say, oh, they're only two games back of the, you know, the 10th seed, or they're only one and a half game or, you know, three games back of the sixth seed or whatever it is, because technically that is true, but you have to add the context that there are a bunch of teams in between them and the team they're chasing. It is not as simple as we've just got to be two games better than Oklahoma City in the final 23. You've got to do that. And you've got to be two games better than Utah. And you've got to be better, two games better than uh, Portland. And that's the only chance you have of getting to the 10th seed. If you want to talk about getting to the sixth seed, which they are only three or four games back of, I believe it's the same thing. That sounds great to only be three games back, but there are six other teams between you and the sixth seed, including Dallas, who is the sixth seed. And so I think the Lakers do need to handle their business, but there is a ton of their future that is essentially out of their control, barring them 
rattling off like a 16 and seven stretch in the second half. So that's the last one I'll throw into kind of this six big storylines for me is just having to watch like Oklahoma city, Utah. These are teams we expected to be tanking Portland. We did not expect to be competing with Portland for the last spot. And yet all of these teams are currently beating the Lakers. So that's last for me. Anything you want to add on that or any other storylines that you had written down briefly? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, if I had to add one, this kind of still plays into my point about, uh, or your point about the health. Can this Lakers seem like build continuity? Again, I don't want to look too, too much forward to next year. But like I said, you're, unless like you make a trade, you're almost guaranteed to at least bring back seven or eight players from this roster. LeBron, AD, uh, uh, Rob Palenka, you better bring back Austin Reeves. Um, you, you could very easily bring back Mobamba, uh, yeah. Rui, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. That's eight right there. Max Christie, that's nine. D'Angelo I didn't even mention D'Lo. Yeah. So that's 10. Like you could very easily return eight to 10 players of this roster. Plus have your middle level exception. You might have your biannual exception. I'm not as much of a cap wizard as Ron and Trevor are, but that's my knowledge of the situation. Plus a first round pick and a second round pick. Like you can return. I mean, I've never thought I could say this about the Lakers. You could have some actual good players returning next year. So building some continuity with the roster, but also with this coaching staff heading into year two could uh, pay off for the Lakers next season. So if I had to pick one, that'd be the only thing, but that kind of plays into your part about the health of this team. Yeah. Yeah. The last one on my list is just – a very minor storyline, but just sort of a pebble in the shoe to keep an eye on. Lonnie Walker is the name that's on my list, but there's going to be some guys who are not going to be playing in the next 20 to 23 games who are not used to not playing. Lonnie Walker is one of them. Wenyan Gabriel, like far less concerned about him, but Lonnie Walker was a guy that for a stretch in the season, I think there was a case to be made. He could have been the third best player that the Lakers had on this roster, the way he was playing. Um, Obviously, he misses some time. 
all these trades happen. And that last game before the All-Star break, he basically didn't play. He ends up playing three minutes, but that's in garbage time. Um, the same amount of time as as other guys that, that aren't ever going to see the floor were playing in that game. And so, again, I'm not expecting Lonnie Walker to cause any problems whatsoever. But I'll, I'll just be curious to see how that type of situation plays itself out, specifically with Lonnie Walker. I would say Wenyan Gabriel, maybe the other guy who had minutes that's going to be impacted. Max Christie as well. I mean, he's a rookie, so that probably falls sort of under the banner of to be expected. But that was the last one on my list as well. So let's do this. Let's close with some predictions here. I say close. This will probably take us a little while. But I've got four prediction questions I want to throw at you here, Sean. I think I gave you warning on at least three of these. I'm going to throw the first one at you. I, I, I expect you're prepared for this one. But give me a prediction on this one. The question is, what is the Lakers' best closing lineup going to be when we get to crunch time five games left in the season Lakers need a win everybody is healthy give me the five guys that you want out there now so much of this could depend matchup to matchup let's just uh, give me your blanket most of the time this is going to be my crunch time lineup no matter what Anthony Davis LeBron James obviously both of those guys in there who are the other three guys taking the floor with them if everybody's healthy are we sure that LeBron guy should be in the closing lineup? Like, I think he should be the sixth man of the year. I'm joking. Um, LeBron AD, clearly. D'Lo, I, I find there will be very few scenarios where D'Lo would not be in the closing lineup. I just think his shooting ability is so far chemistry, dare yeah. I say that word, with Anthony Davis on the high ball scooter rules have been really, really good so far. So I think there will be very few times where he won't be in it. I think – Pick your poison on that night between Reeves and Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley is hot. Go Malik Beasley. But he has to be, like, scorching hot for me to I, – because I, I think I, most of the nights I go Reeves because of his 3 and D defensive ability, his ability to, to guard on the perimeter, but also not be a movement shooter but be a nice spot catch-and-shoot guy, which is really all you need in, in crunch time situations. And then – um Honestly, the same thing. Pick your poison between Rory Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt. Like, I, I think with, with Reeves on the floor, I probably lean more towards Rory Hachimura. But with Beasley, maybe a little more Vanderbilt. But, um, yeah, that's – so, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of cheating here. But pick five out of those seven, and I think we have a done deal. <laughs> My bad, Jeff. I definitely cheated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, we didn't answer the question there. You gave us seven names for five spots. <laughs> um, I I'm with you. I mean, I think LeBron AD, I think Russell's got to be out there. Is there a scenario <laughs> where Dennis Schroeder's having a good night and you like him way better defensively than D'Angelo Russell? Sure. I think that's going to be like 5 to 10% of the time. And so for the sake of this argument, I think D'Angelo Russell is definitely in that group. I like Beasley. I think you you brought him over for the three-point shooting to extend the the defense a little bit. So I think Beasley's going to be in that group. The two I had a tougher time with is is Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura. Yeah. Um, they went with Vanderbilt. Obviously, he was the fifth guy in the starting five last week. I've said multiple times your starting five is not necessarily your best five. But I think if I had to choose, I'd probably go Vanderbilt with Rui, guys like Austin Reeves, Troy Brown, whoever else coming off of the bench. So I'm going LeBron, AD, Russell, Beasley, and Vanderbilt. And, you know, we can get to, we're going to get to our predictions here in a moment. Like, I'm not saying that's a title winning five. Um, yeah. I like that that group goes, you, you feel pretty good going to the eighth or ninth guy, probably 
on that rotation, which is as far as you would want to get in a postseason series. So that's my five. Again, LeBron, AD, Russell, Beasley, and Vanderbilt. And then yours would be Beasley slash Reeves and Vanderbilt slash Rui as your uh, as your final five. Um, go for it. You want to add anything there? I was just going to say, Darwin's obsessed with three-guard lineups. <laughs> and technically, this one has a little bit more size. I wouldn't mind, at some point throughout a game, I wouldn't mind seeing a Russell, Reeves, or even, because I don't think you need Russell, actually. If you went a Reeves, Beasley, like Troy Brown Jr., LeBron, AD lineup, I wouldn't okay. mind seeing that at some point. Yeah. I, I mean, like I think the, the quote-unquote you need a point guard goes away in crunch time because LeBron can be your point guard and a guy like Reeves True. Beasley can kind of be your off guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the sort of the thing that people don't really like mentioning with D'Angelo Russell is he's not very good defensively. And so he's yeah. going to be a liability. And when you look up and down the Western conference, if D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley is your backcourt, it's going to cause you, it's going to cause you some problems when you face off against teams that have dominant guards or even, you know, very, very good guards. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. Um, three more predictions here. Sean, I'll let you go first again. The Lakers finish this season in what place in the Western Conference? Again, they are currently in 13th. But as I said at the beginning, um, they are two games back of the 10 seed. That's the final play-in spot. Oklahoma City's in that spot. Utah and Portland, 11th and 12th. They are three and a half games back of the six seed. And just, Sean, they're only six games back of the three seed, baby. We could be the three seed in no time. Give me your prediction. The Lakers finish the season in what place in the Western Conference? Podcast listeners, Jeff is definitely is joking, being sarcastic. That's not how this works. Oh, they'll, they'll know when they hear my prediction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to invoke and, and kind of repeat the message that me and uh, and and Ron had on the last Laker Nation podcast. I'm going to shoot for eight because I think that's what the Lakers should shoot for. Um, you get to eight, you got to win two, one game. You got two games to win one. That's the goal. If you got to go in a situation where you got to go like you're the 10 seed, you get sure you get yourself in the dance, but you might have to potentially go to Golden State if it as it shakes out right now. You might potentially have to go to Golden State and then go to like New Orleans yeah. again. Like, uh, like I'm not sure how, how I like that idea. Um, I think you shoot for a. I I do again. Maybe this is me being optimistic. I do think teams like OKC and Utah finally start to drop. I think Portland still tries to win games. So I'm going to shoot for eight. I think the, I'm hopeful the Lakers can get hot, win some games out of the break. But, and this is another thing we talked about in the last Laker Nation podcast, you have to win at least four of these upcoming seven. If you don't win four, your season's over because you can't recover from being three and four and, be, uh, and being, what, 30? It means six games under 500 effectively. You can't recover from that, like 16, 17 games left. Um, yeah. You have to at least hit four and three, but you the wins have to, have to, have to be Golden State, Minnesota. Yep. Uh, you play Golden State twice. Golden State, City. Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and then either Golden yeah. State the second time, Dallas. If, if you don't beat Memphis at all, I could give two blanks less, but you yeah. have to get Golden State at least once. You have to get Oklahoma City. You have to get Minnesota, and then you got to get Golden State – Maybe the second time, too, hopefully steps out. So maybe you can get them twice. And then you got to try to get Dallas, too. So I'm going to shoot for eight. Yeah. 
and I think it's fair. Uh, I mean, so my answer is ninth is where I think the Lakers will ultimately finish. But again, I mean, like, I know there are going to be people, Sean, that listen to me and you and and don't like our answers. And I would just encourage those folks. Like, let me read you the Western Conference standards, standings. Denver, first place, not touching them. Memphis, Sacramento. Okay. You can think Sacramento isn't very good. That doesn't matter. There are a ton of games ahead of the Lakers right now. Hold on, time out, time out. If you think Sacramento's not good, I encourage you to watch like five Sacramento Kings Kings games. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. My bad. Clippers, Suns, Dallas. Those are the top six. Then you get to New Orleans, Minnesota, and Golden State. For the Lakers to finish ninth, they have to beat one of those teams that I just mentioned. New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State, Dallas. Those are kind of the um, – Phoenix is nine and a half, but, I mean, they're going to get Durant at some point, so I'm not really necessarily including them. Obviously, Golden State is without Steph, but that, like, to finish eighth, you've got to beat two of those teams. Like, and, and I just sit here and ask myself, okay, Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State. Like, who are the one or two of those teams that they're going to jump? And you mentioned it. They get two games against Golden State right out of the shoot. Steph Curry not expected to be playing in either of those games. And so if you're the Lakers. Watch he comes back for, like, the second, the second game. game. Like, <laughs> make it even worse the first yeah. game back. Yeah, Trevor's already mad. Trevor listening to this podcast is already mad thinking about a guy coming back. But, I mean, that's just where they're at. Again, it's not just you have to make up so many games. It's who? Again, okay. I think we all agree Oklahoma City, Utah, Portland, you should be able to jump all of those. But if all you do is jump those three teams, you are the 10th seed, which means you're going on the road twice in the play-in game for a chance to play Denver in a series. So difficult stuff for the Lakers, which leads to my next prediction, Sean. The Lakers season ends where? I put what round here um, because I, I, I was a safe bet that we were both assuming they would at least get into the play-in tournament. I can't remember again if it was me and Trevor or me and you, but we were joking about like in Vegas, they making the play in tournament does not count as making the playoffs. If you bet the Lakers to make the playoffs, they have to get out of the play in tournament in order for that bet to cash. But neither here nor there. Um, where do you think the Lakers season ends? You have them finishing eighth. So you've got them going to the second round. I not think I think the only team in the in the Western Conference that I don't think the Lakers will win a, a first-round series with is probably – that you can even face. Yeah, because like Phoenix, for example, we might say is way better, but there's no chance that Phoenix is going to finish first or second in the West. Yeah, exactly. For example. Like if, the, if, if For example, if the Clippers somehow got to the two seed, I don't think the Lakers would win. First off, because the Lakers have shown they can't beat the Clippers. And secondly, I just still don't think the Lakers are that good of a matchup with the Clippers. But if, like, gun to my head or whatever, that's that's extreme. Like, you told me, do the Lakers have a shot to beat Denver? Yes, they've shown they've matched up well with them. They've gotten better since since they've last beaten Denver twice. But it's going to come down to Anthony Davis. And then if they beat Memphis, I think Memphis and Memphis Grizzlies fans are going to find this clip and they're going to send hateful comments to me on Twitter. I think Memphis, out of the contenders in the Western Conference, are easily the worst team in the West. When you look at Denver, when you look at Memphis, you look at the Clippers, you look at Phoenix. Sacramento. Dallas, Golden State still. If you want to throw Sacramento as a contender out of respect to them being the three seed, they are the worst team in the Western Conference out of the contenders. John Moran is awesome, but when it comes to the playoffs, I think he is easier to game plan for than any of the other team's best players, including De'Aaron Fox. I love yeah. John. But I think, and then also, the most important player – 
in a Memphis Grizzlies series is Jaron Jackson Jr., the potential defensive player of the year. But dude is going to be in foul trouble five out of the seven games. We saw it against Golden State last year. Yeah. So, like, and it, you're basically relying on, like, hey, can Desmond Bain average 25 to make up for the fact that Ja against the Golden State, he, I think Ja would be great against Phoenix because Phoenix is somebody that can guard. But, like, can Ja, ja would have to average 35 or Desmond Bain would have to consistently average 25 in a playoff series and shrug. I don't think Memphis can guard LeBron in AD. And I, like I said, I, I don't think they're I think they're the worst of the contenders. So I think the Lakers make it to the second round when it's time to face like a Clippers or a Phoenix Suns. I think it is a wrap. But if if the standings shake out, you get the eighth seed, right? Or I'm sorry, you get two eight. Let's say you win that playing game. You got to go yeah. to Memphis. You beat Memphis. If the standings shake out exactly yeah. how it is, you beat Memphis. Let's say it's like Sac- – if you got to face it with a Sacramento-Dallas. Yeah. You feel good. Yeah. Perfect. I feel awesome, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm being yeah. Very you could make an argument that the toughest – wow, this is probably going to sound crazy. But the one-game play-in, it's possible that in the play-in game, you face in a one-game winner-take-all 8-7 matchup. That if right. you face a healthy Golden State team or something that's, in that matchup, right. that's right. that's way more difficult than having to face Memphis and or I Sacramento agree. in the first or I second agree. round. Yeah, there's I'm not big I'm not as big a fan of like analytics are cool and they matter, but there's analytics or like the best lineup or whatever. This play like at least 200 minutes, I think. I think that's what it is. In all of basketball in terms of net rating, it's easily Golden State starting five: Steph, Clay, Wiggs, Draymond, and Looney, and it's by like. At least five points or whatever in terms of name, right? It's, it's not even close. I still think Golden State, I think it with everybody's healthy in the West. I think Golden State, Denver, Phoenix are the three best team or the three teams to beat. And you might have to face one of those teams to beat in the play-in game. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Let me ask you a quick follow-up because I think this is related to conversations. The trades that the Lakers made, if they advance to the second round and lose, do you look back on let's say the D'Angelo Russell trade and, and have any different thoughts about it. Are you still happy about it? I'm so happy. I think, I think you made, I guess it kind of depends how you lose. So before I say anything, I think it always does depend how you lose, but you made the second round with this team with where you started at the trades. I don't think, and after this to answer your question and not think about it, if you make it to the second round, I think it's going to be in some capacity because of the trades you made. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be just because, oh, LeBron and AD were healthy. I think that's yeah. going to matter, but I think you're going to need the Malik Beasley's, the D'Angelo Russell's, Jerry Vanderbilt's, Ray uh, who am I missing? Devon Reed. Huh? Oh, De- you to- there you go. I was like, Devon Reed? You want to oh, Devon Reed? Devon Reed, jeez, that's what I missed. But I think that's who you're going to yeah. – you're going to need those guys. So um, I, yeah. think, I think I'm still going to look back on it fondly regardless. Yeah, and maybe the better evaluator is how many guys do you decide to bring back next season from right. that group? Because if you end up signing D'Angelo Russell and bringing back Rui Hachimura and all those guys, right. and we're all sitting here and saying, hey, I'm glad they brought those guys back, then then it's good. Uh, my answer to this one is I, the first round. I, I feel, again, I look at this and I'm like, that feels optimistic to me. Like, I know some people are going to be like, this guy's a hater. Like, I'm stretching hater. to get them. There, I'm stretching Ooh. to get them into the first round. Just because, again, like, 
let's say they end up at the nine seed, and that means playing Minnesota in a one-game matchup and then Golden State in the next one. Like, I, I just don't think that's a guarantee that you win both of those games, which is what you would need to do if you don't finish in the top eight. I think they get to the first round. Um, I think I'm a little bit, maybe a lot higher on Memphis than you are, it sounds like. I think if you end up matched up with Denver, um, Denver's 41 and 18 and, and firing on all cylinders, and unless something catastrophic happens to them, um, as well as the Lakers have matched up against them, I still think in a in a series against them, I wouldn't feel great about it. So I've got the Lakers playing their final game in the first round. Um, that's me. Last prediction here, Sean, as we close out the show, give me one player whose stock you're either buying or selling down the stretch. Like if you had to, you know, and again, we'll probably set LeBron and AD to the side, but if there's, you mentioned Austin Reeves, Malik Beasley, Troy Brown, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, like, is there a guy in that group, Lonnie Walker, even Mo Bamba, Wenyan Gabriel, like anyone in that sort of Dennis Schroeder, that tier of player that you're saying, watch out. I like what I'm going to see for this guy in the next 23 games or the flip side of I'm worried about what the next 23 games look like for this player. I'm going to buy his stock, but I am very fearful. One, because I think you have his replacement already on the team, but I'm fearful that he's going to, his stocks will get bought by somebody else and I'm going to have to sell it. So I make some money back. I'm not sure that's how stocks work. Gee, Sean, but um, Troy Brown jr. I, I, I think there's, there's a, there's again, an analytic or a statistic out there, whatever the Troy Brown jr. Is one of the best one-on-one isolation defenders in the NBA. And what makes even more important is he guards. Like he, he gets a, the, one of the best assignments a lot of times yeah. in terms of, like he's guarding one of the best players. But I think somebody, I had a tweet the other night or whatever. It was like along the lines of, you know, somebody asked me, hey, Sean, do you want to, would you rather give Dennis or like Troy the taxpayer mid-level exception? I said Dennis, not even because I really want Dennis back next year because I'd rather Darvin not play those two guys together, Dennis and D'Lo. Hey, easy. You're, ta- you're talking to the president of the Dennis Schroeder fan club over here, Sean. Oh, so geez, just, you know, me, just be careful about what you say, okay? Geez, let me back off that. But no, I said Dennis more so because I'm like, I want to see Christie get an opportunity next year. Mm. One, because I think you're more pressured to do so since Rob Palenka still is mediocre at his job by not giving – like, how do you not manage to just save – you tell me – Lonnie Walker was going to say no if you said, hey, instead of 6.4, let's do 5.9 million. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So now you kind of, in my opinion, almost have to play Christie at least a little bit next year to see, okay, are we going to extend him for that third year? Because you're in the same boat as you are with Austin Reeves this summer, where yeah. you should have an extra year. Instead, you have to sign him or re sign him a year earlier. So I like Troy a lot. I think he's an, he's an inconsistent shooter, but his defense has always been serviceable enough to keep him in the rotation. And I think he's going to get a lot more quality looks now that the spacing's a lot better. And I think he's going to, he's going to be a, a really good piece for the Lakers down the stretch. I, I just think it sucks that I don't think partially because of Rob Palenka's uh, inconsistencies as a general manager. I don't think he's going to have a spot on the roster next year. Cause I think you're going to have to see what Christie can provide for you. Okay. Well, I mentioned I was the Dennis Schroeder guy, but Troy Brown, I mean, he's a University of Oregon guy. One year at Oregon, but that's my other guy. So I love that. I love that. And yeah, I mean, you you said the word roller coaster. I mean, Troy Brown, I remember jumping on a playback like 15 games into the season and he had completely fallen out of the rotation. He had gone from being a starter. He's not even playing. And now it's like everybody's there. Everybody's healthy. And it's like, hey, Troy Brown's starting again. So he's just an interesting guy. Um, You know, if he's knocking down threes, it's huge. 
Um, my pick here is career too, man. I really, Troy's Troy's my guy. I like Troy a lot. Um, my guy here is, this is like a, a penny stock, not in the sense that his, his stock is worth almost nothing right now, but that this is a boom or bust stock. Like it's either going to be awesome or everything is going to go up in flames, I think. And, And I'm talking about Rui Hachimura here. And here's what I mean. I think there's a potential where Rui plays so well in the next 23 games that we look at him dramatically differently then versus how we look at him now. And and I'm just saying because of the size and because of the opportunities, I I was saying earlier, I think the competition between him and Vanderbilt is going to be an interesting one. You mentioned it as well. I think what Rui brings on the offensive side of the floor, I I don't feel like there's an appreciation for it quite yet because it's not sexy and it's not necessarily like it doesn't fit perfectly into today's game because it's a lot of like mid-range jumpers. But I've liked what I see from him as a, as a guy who can actually create his own shot, rebounding the basketball, which this team has struggled with dramatically. I mean, you think he had seven boards in at least two of the last three games. So Rui's a guy that I could see fitting in. Now, he doesn't have the twitchiness to be an elite, elite defender, but he has the size and he has the length to at least be competitive on that side of the floor. I've seen that competitiveness. Like, he's not quitting. I think he's got the intelligence, and I think he's got the body positioning to at least be competitive. But... I could see a world because I mean, look, Rui's number is like 18 million next year. I don't think he's going to get 18 million, but I can see a world where we look back on Rui Hachimura and that trade and say, man, that was actually a great trade for the Lakers because I think he has a defined role. He's one of the few guys in that spot. Vanderbilt is giving you energy and he's giving you defense and he's giving you rebounding. He's not giving you a ton on the offensive side of the floor. I think Rui is kind of the best option, even maybe with a Troy Brown, as far as a guy that kind of gives you both it's less defense than Vanderbilt and Troy Brown it's more offense than both of those guys with the length with the athleticism the rebounding ability all that to say I like Rui I'm buying Rui stock right now another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I want to also point out, because he brought up his contract, I think we could get to a point where, let's say Rui, and also I want to say one more point about his fit. I think you get into a point, and I don't think it's likely. Like, let's say, knock on wood, but it's a heavy like a probability that you're not going to get a fully healthy LeBron AD for the last way through a game. So we've addressed that for the past 51 minutes on the show. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a possibility Rui Hachimura has to play an extended stretch where there's not one up where he, you're missing one of them. And Rui, let's say Rui Hachimura averages 20, like a six game stretch, and when when the guys come back. He's still averaging 15 to 17 points a game or whatever, something like that, right? 
There is a possibility where you, even though you mentioned, I agree with you, I do not think he's worth $18 million right now. There is a possibility, I think Rui Hachimura can play himself into being close to $18 million, which is not the best of news for the Lakers, but I think he could play himself into that. So for contract purposes, I do agree with that. And then also with this fit, I talked about this with Trevor when the trade happened on the channel. I think the fact that he is a really good mid-range shooter and can create for himself is even more important because yeah. I think at the time you had okay spot up shoot guys. You had Austin, you had Pat still, you had Lonnie who spot up is okay. Um, you had Troy, you had a couple other guys, right? But Rui's had Rui Hachimura's ability to, it, it's LeBron driving kick. He gets in the corner and a lot of times, especially with Pat and with Lonnie at times and with Troy Brown and I forget who else, whoever else I said, when, they don't get the wide open catch and shoot opportunities. They pass it up and they throw it out. And now what was a LeBron James and Anthony Davis um, drive and kick uh, opportunity for three has now become a wasted possession because they just kick it out and now the possession kind of dies, right? Yeah. Well, now with Ray Chimura, it can be drive and kick, you know, maybe you don't shoot the three, but Roy Achimura is so crafty and it can get to his spots with such, uh, dare I say, such pace and not, not elite, but at a really good level, he can get to a spot to create for himself that you live with those mid-range shots because it's still created off LeBron AD. Um, so long-winded answer there, but I think that is important that he can shoot from the mid-range, that he can create for himself. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Roy is another guy that I would buy stock in. 30 seconds, Rui Hachimura is a defender. I mean, I, I, my 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 very amateur scouting report is, again, has the length, has the size, has the IQ, has some athleticism. He just seems to lack the twitchiness to be able to stick with guys who are quicker than he is, maybe on the smaller side than he is. Um, what do you see out of him? I mean, would you say he's a good defender, an average defender, a very good defender? Where would you put him? He's about an average defender. And for a guy with this offensive skill set, that's about all you need. Honestly, it's just him to be average. He has a play against Golden State that I think I broke down where he plugged the middle on a middle drive. It might have been Vanderbilt guarding him or guarding the the ball handler. I forget who it was. But he has good instincts. He is a little – he does have that quick twitch. But, um, yeah, I think he's an average defender. He's okay. He's a smart place. There you go. There you go. Well, there you have it. There are predictions. Both of us have the Lakers making it to the postseason. I've got them losing in the first round. Sean's got them losing in the second round. Sean likes Troy Brown as a guy to watch down the stretch. I've got Rui Hachimura as a guy to watch down the stretch. And I, would you describe yourself as optimistic, Sean, about the next 23 games? Cautiously yeah, optimistic, maybe? I'm about to text Matt and be like, hey, uh, I think I need to steal the optimist tagline from you as, as optimistic as I've been on this show. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, 23 games left. As we said, the Lakers on one front, they have one of the easiest schedules in the NBA from here on out. They are just a couple of games out of the play-in tournament, just a few games out of the top six seeds, although there are a bunch of teams between them. So with 23 games to go, what does the Lakers record look like? I mean, you would think they've got to get at least above 500. They're currently, t- uh, what is it? Two games above 500, two games under 500, excuse me. Five games under 500, Five. excuse yeah. me. So they've got to at least get to 500, you would think. Um, so we'll see how this one plays out for the Lakers. That is Sean Davis. My name is Jess Spiegel. As always, we appreciate you joining us. This has been the Lakers Nation podcast. Trevor Lane will be back soon. He's getting a little bit of rest. 
and and vacation, which he deserves during this all-star break. I call it vacation. Um, we'll see what he says when he comes back running around amusement parks with kids. Maybe that doesn't feel like rest and relaxation. While I'm here, <laughs> I'm going to make a small plug. I host our Dodgers content for our sister site, dodgerblue.com. You can check us out. Dodger heads anywhere you get your podcast. If you're listening to this as a podcast, if you would do us a favor, search Dodger heads, give us a rating, give us a review, give us a like. We'd appreciate it. Dodger blue, 1958 on YouTube. Sean, you're a fan of our show. We appreciate that. Yeah. I was just about to say, if you're a Laker fan and a Dodger fan, you guys haven't checked them out yet. What are you guys doing? You'll see Jeff's wonderful face or on Daniel Starkam makes appearances. Matt Moreno's come on a couple of times. Yeah. I wish I had my Dodgers uh, like pullover hoodie on, on set. Maybe I'll, Save that for the next time we're on, Jeff. There you go. There you go. Well, we appreciate it. So, as always, again, thank you for joining us. That's Sean. My name is Jeff. Enjoy the rest of your day. And, of course, go Lakers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.